what you like or enjoy or maybe hate. Uh, but it can create like a really man. If if you, if you could predict from like twelve years old what you'll like as fields and you get you like you pick or choose and like everything you do from that point on you enjoy every day like there'll be so many like so many more happy kids like everyone would be doing what they want to be doing everyone would be doing what they like mayu man glad to have have you join us um you're someone who runs a robotics academy uh we met uh, a few years back, uh, Mohan from Good News Ventures introduced us, uh, saying that, hey, Rav, you got to meet this guy. He's he's running like a robot academy. And I remember talking to you back then, and you immediately switched into gear when we started talking about your field where you're like, yeah, more people need to learn this stuff. It's not that hard. And you gave this whole whole tidbit, and we were supposed to get a tour of you know what you were doing, but everything kind of got held up, and next thing you know, <laughs> COVID hit. And now here we are, like a year and a half later. So, Mike, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to hearing more about you know what you got what you got going on. But what's going on, man? Yeah, man. Um, I guess yeah. Like I, I guess I gotta jump into like that that pitch mode. But uh, no, we uh, SVs um, right now actually is is an online uh, program for kids age eight to eighteen, um, and it's more so focused on getting kids to build projects. Um, we love teaching them like the technical things that we learned in university. Um, but actually getting them to take that and, and run with it and build something doesn't have to be like a company or anything, but in an idea or like get them to fulfill out an idea or build a project that they actually like care about yeah. and have like that accountability to doing something. That's what we want to inspire. Definitely. Um, where did that come from? Like, what's your background in this? Like, were you a tinker as a kid building stuff or was something that you learned later in life and thought that, man, I wish I knew this when I was younger? No, man, I was I was a terrible kid. <laughs> I was a terrible kid. Like my me and my, so like it, like at my house, like my mom used to like take care. I have like three other siblings. My mom used to be the one in charge of like, hey, like you guys got to study, you guys get this done and that done. Of course. Um, and we butt heads like every other day. Like we'd get into fights. At like some point, my dad was like, just leave this kid alone. He'll do the homework. Just just let him be. Mm-hmm. Um, like to the extent of when I was like in grade three, my mom gave me the nickname C plus as like <laughs> that was my average throughout. Nice. Uh, so I wasn't a great kid and I didn't really care about school. Like my my siblings are really smart and they did well in school. I on the other hand was just like just doing it to get by. Were um, the young? Are you the youngest? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's yeah, like yeah, the youngest youngest kid syndrome or whatever. Um, but. We uh we ended up so I just like continued on uh through through school just just I guess cruising, um and I got to a point in high school where it was like grade eleven and twelve, um like I've been bouncing between tutors. My mom was just like trying to get me inspired to learn or actually like take school seriously, um or even life for that matter I guess <laughs> um, and uh, there was a, there was actually a prof out of U of T his name was Dr. Vijay Kumar um, he was a he was a he was a, like a full-on engineering prof at U of T um, but on the weekends he used to teach kids like my age, like from grade five to grade 12 like math and science it was like this weird little like room in the back of samosa king uh like in the in the warehouses around samosa yeah. king 
uh, if you're familiar with the area. And um, he used to teach, he used to just like have you come in for like eight hours a day. And it's just like a place where you'd study. Um, but like he obviously didn't do it for money because he was charging like a hundred dollars a month. Um, and you, there were, it was a rough time for my parents at that time. So there were months where like my, my parents or my mom couldn't pay it. Um, and like, it would be a backlog like debt and like, he wouldn't even chase you nor ask for it. And like, it, it was very clear, like you didn't care about the money. You just like, like that, that experience of teaching kids mm-hmm. or having kids. Um, and so, uh, he kind of taught me a different way of learning, man. Uh, it, rather than just like learning to like pass a test or do well, like, which we're like conditioned to do, or like our parents would be asking us to do, or that was the expectation set, um, kind of taught me to like what I was doing or to love to learn, love that mm. process of learning. Like when you like learn something new and that like that weird euphoric moment in your head, uh, that's what he taught me to appreciate. And then I started realizing it was a lot more, less about like just learning again to pass a test, but more so to learn for the sake of learning. And what ended up happening was like my marks shot up. Um, from like literally like C's and D's, uh, not D's, but like from C's just like cruising onwards to like getting my first 90 in grade 12. Mm-hmm. Um, like in, I think it was grade 12 bio. And I'm like, oh shit, I can actually do shit. <laughs> I, had, I had zero idea. Like I had no confidence in myself from that from up to that point. Cause like grade nine built into grade 10, grade 10 built into grade 11. And so like, there was no forward momentum for me. It was just like start to stop. Um, I ended up getting into university, doing pretty, uh, doing well in like courses. And I had no idea what to get into, but what he was like, what he said was like, go into engineering and from engineering, you'll figure out what to do. I'm like, okay, looking back at it might be terrible advice because it, it's a, it's a difficult program to, to get into. Um, and then, uh, got into like my, got into, to York for engineering, um, ended up finishing up my first year and then I went back to help out. And so like mm-hmm. on my weekends, like, uh, or even while I was in school on my weekends or weekday evenings, like I'll be back, back there kind of just like playing around with stuff or helping some of the kids learning. And at that point he started introducing, uh, like programming and robotics. Um, it was just became easier for, for, for him to teach it. Um, like with the release of like Arduinos or like different devices to help teach. And so, uh, from that point on, um, I was just helping out now, fast forward a little bit. This is like 2016. I got my first, uh, I got my first internship with T-Bot, which is like a funny story, um, about how I even got that. But, um, during that internship, he actually passed away. He had a heart attack, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of a, like a lecture. Uh, and so, when he passed away, it was a sudden shock because, like, I was, like, a little bit distant at, from him at that moment. Uh, just, like, focused on my co-op. And then went to the funeral, and it was, like, it was, it was, it was like, a sad scene. It was, like, people that were, that were older, like, 20 years, 30 years older than me were, like, thought of him as a teacher. Kids that were, like, 10 and 11 thought of him as a teacher. It was, like, pretty, like, unanimous in that room that, like, that guy helped everyone. Mm-hmm. Um and so at the funeral, um, like I was talking to some of the kids that, are, that, are, that were there and I, and I, and we were like, Hey, like, let's like continue. So we ended up, uh, renting out this like shitty little shack of a warehouse. It's that, <laughs> it was that Markham and Nashdeen. 
there was no heating, no AC. It was dusty as hell. Um, but we like we just continued, and it was a, the difference that I I think that we brought into it was rather than just teaching to to teach programming, I like try to bring my co-op experience into things. I'm like, hey, like this is what we actually do. We had all these like all this equipment, all these books, and so we kept going, and then again we turned it into this project-based learning method and we had like some of our students actually build like really cool things like one of uh one of our students Prajit he ended his dad lost his wallet inside a mall um and he wanted to build like a bluetooth sensor I'm uh, sorry a bluetooth a bluetooth device that like is, that connects your phone it's like a 3d printed wallet it wasn't the prettiest thing ever it wasn't Louis Vuitton or anything by that matter but it was like this simple wallet a card holder with like a device in it similar to tile this is like the tile of 2016. um he built it out and he was able to like pitch it to uh this this event in like downtown called maker 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 fest um and he ended up like he ended up having a company like a like uh, a research group from uft wanting to work with him or there's another another student who wanted to uh like keep his brother out like he hated his brother coming into his room all the time uh like with obvious obvious reason like that's siblings um and so he built like an iot device so like it's a device that every time someone he turned it on when he wasn't home um and someone came into his room would send him an email and like this was like completely developed himself there was like whatever it took whether it's like online resources the devices um and like that's where everything spawned and so that project-based mentality like kind of carried us to to keep growing and it naturally grew um we out, quickly outgrew our space. We were a nonprofit before. We were charging 100 bucks a month. Um, we realized quickly that nonprofits aren't really profitable. Um, and I was doing this while I was in school and in my other co-ops, which was interesting. I really didn't have a life for like literally two years. Didn't have a weekend. Um, and I'm not even promoting that. It was just like it didn't seem like um, I, I didn't really have like any care to do anything else at that point. Um, so yeah, like uh, fast forward to now, I mean, uh, with COVID, it, it's been, it, it's felt like we've had to, to rebuild the business twice now, like build a like entirely from the ground up as COVID hit. Um, but yeah, just just now we're just like trudging along and, and we're at like 140 or 130 students now. So um, it's been, it's been a wild ride up until this point, it still is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a journey and you give it a lot to unpack, right? Uh, talking about this mentor who like came into your life and completely changed the trajectory of your life. I think that's so radically important because I think we need more of that. And I think the market is moving towards that kind of mechanism where like I think apprenticeship is coming back. Mentorship is coming back. Like like mentorship is becoming a buzzword now, not just in tech, but in real life. Right. You know, business leaders all talk about this, you know, find a mentor for you, someone you can model your stuff after, someone you can who can test ideas, but someone else impart some wisdom back onto you, right? And mm-hmm. what's what's really cool about what you're talking about, uh, talking about your personal mentor, his name is Dr. Vijay Kumar? Yeah, Vijay Kumar. Vijay Kumar, right? So this guy sounds like, you know, a real radical thinker, right? Uh, not doing this for the money, but wanted to actually help youth, uh, but, you know, uh, inspire a passion for like technology and robotics, but also teaching in a way that was different from school. And therefore, able to capture you, uh, you know, your imagination, your attention, and your ability, right? I mean, 
I think this is like uh, that kind of that kind of telltale signal shows a lot about some of the gaps that are in our society right now, where everything is kind of standardized and not, and like now with a potential for personalization, right? And these are the mechanisms we can do that because you're the result of something like that, right? Like it's a viral effect. I mean, like you said, like look at it, uh, his funeral. Like can you like, I mean, it's already here he passed, but can you imagine a way a better way to go, surrounded in a room full of students, uh, you know, from different generations that you have had that yeah. have a profound effect on. Uh, I mean, I think that that kind of legacy is something that many, many people would actually want to aspire to, right? Is that, yeah. something, that something that inspired you yourself? Like when you looked around that room and you saw the type of effects he's had? That's actually very interesting that you said that. Um, at that time, no, I, I, I didn't think of it as like, as like, hey, like this is a type of community I want to create for myself. Um, and even even now, um, I don't really see it as like, hey, I want to like, I want to have this like explicitly want to have this. Yeah. But I think it just comes naturally. Like once you start learning things um, or go through experiences, you start building up that experience. And, and people who recognize or seen that you've gone through that experience naturally will come and ask you like, hey, how 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 did you progress through this or what did you do through this? And um, that. I guess you naturally kind of build that that viral effect, right? Like it, it just it just naturally happens. Uh, like granted, you want to help people, um, but um, yeah, man, I, I I haven't really thought about it like that. No, like it, it's never it's never crossed my mind to to create it. I just always thought that it naturally grows. And with SV as a business, like it, it, it never really crossed my mind. I always treated it like, a like in the beginning, I didn't treat it like a business, but from 2018 onwards, I treated it like a business. Like, Hey, how can we do something that I really enjoy? But like, how do we also make sure we make money and keep this afloat? Right. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that, like, especially these kind of models where you're not just teaching, you're not just teaching, but you're imparting wisdom, right? You're touching a different way of doing things. Um, like, I feel like, the idea of like the old school teaching mechanism, right? You think about like the Greek way when they had like Plato or Socrates, they'll have like a mentor, like, you know, like, like uh, I think it was uh, Socrates, was it Socrates or uh, Plato? I think it was Socrates that went with Alexander, right? Who inspired Alexander to go and conquer the world, taught him the stories where everything is, right? Like took him as a mentorship, but also had like a, a, a following base, right? And yeah. we're seeing that kind of, kind of like, uh, like these kind of niche, kind of schools like yours like smaller schools where people go for like the centralized experience of learning like we're going to get this type of knowledge right? yeah coming to be like whether it be like um jiu-jitsu right like when you're um make people like they talk about how their sensei or their coach is like it's like it's like a lineage he learned from this person and turns this into this person and there's actually a genealogical tree someone is developing now of martial arts right which sensei is trained who and like it's like a lineage and you'd see like different branches developing and people uh, come up with their own kind of philosophies and ideas yeah. right and when you join a gym you're not just joining like you're not just going there to work out like normally but you're joining like a legacy of like multiple fleet people following right the, the yeah. really serious hardcore people are into that and uh, like i feel like we're going backwards like Naval Ravikant talks about this, right? How technology is making us regress as a society mm -hmm. because because of fluid, fluidity of the internet and we're all uh, uh, capable and like, you know, to um, access it and interact with each other. It's like it forces us to become more tribal, more, more um, 
more inward focus, right? We're no longer hiring people for 30 year jobs. We're hiring people on con like, you know, contract basis yeah. where, you know, everyone's wants, you know, more freelancers, more independent businesses, right? Small businesses are forming. People are becoming more and more individualized, like hunter gatherers. They're all hunting mm -hmm. and eating <laughs> based off of what they can do, right? Yeah. Uh, their individual uh, skills and abilities. So under this kind of model where people are like, you know, we're no longer tied to location. We can do Zoom calls from a city somewhere to another city somewhere. We can, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you're a mobile phone, you're connected, you know, 2.6 billion people now are, are interconnected on mobile devices alone, right? So this ethereal kind of systems, like what can we do with it? How can knowledge be transported, right? Because you can go on YouTube right now and all of, uh, you know, Virginia Law School's entire program, is, you know, is there. You know, MIT has all this research. Uh, y Combinator has all this stuff. Like you can for free acquire knowledge so the whole idea of the, like you know universities colleges these walled gardens where you're to pay to enter to get knowledge is yeah. gone it's dissipating right so people don't go out and get knowledge but what you can do with it is the most important thing so people who can mentor you and give you wisdom it's like cool you know you can learn this 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 you can source efficient with this but how do you put it all together what can you do with it and how can i make it better and, and more appealing for you to learn this yeah, I, I now that you bring that up, I, there's something been boggling my mind because it's 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 kind of like what we have to do to predict the future, per se. Um, a lot of parents, particularly between the like for kids age like six, well parents in general to before kids are an adult, they they really value in-person learning. And now I'm curious, like to ask you, like what do you foresee, like for what do you foresee as 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 like mentorship or in-person learning compared to online because they're different experiences and like even when you mentioned like when we're talking about this like podcast of how you prefer to doing in-person versus online you can respond to that body body language and such um what do you think like what do you think you would do you think mentorship would would like unravel or be done better in person versus online or do you think it can be like i i think it could be done in a mix of both um but i'm curious to what you think about that yeah, I mean, mechan the mechanics of it wise, I think both is required. You can't, I, I think, like, I don't think you can do either or actually, right? Like, doing it completely in person limits you because there's only so much you can meet and there's like physical requirements and all these requirements. So I think it needs to be hybrid for sure. And virtual, it doesn't have the same impact. So mm -hmm. I think it has to be two, uh, both ways, right? Let's say one out of four times is like a personal meeting. It just, there's a difference, especially when you're younger, like when you're physically in the room with somebody and you can see how they move and interact. Yeah. Right. Like that captures your attention. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're when you're learning from a mentor, like like this is this is one of the things I've learned. Right. Like you model yourself off of people you aspire to. Mm -hmm. You know, you look not just at what they say or what they think or what they've done, but how do they act? How yeah. do they move? How do they talk? You know, like naturally you're looking for that because you don't just want you don't aspire to like, OK, just do what they did. But you want to be them. Right. And I think like the more like meeting in person give, gives more information that, you know, like 7% of they say 7% of communication is actually talking, right? Everything else mm -hmm. is body language. Yeah. So I think days of that reason, it's, I think in person is hundred percent required, but nowadays doing it completely hundred percent will limit you. Yeah. But yeah. talking about that, like the idea, I think, have you, have you heard about like the, the, the flipped model for, for teaching? Um, yeah, so yeah. We in uh in at York they they were trying that for a bit. Where I believe it's like 
when you're in class is more focused on projects and then at home you have to do or you have to watch watch lectures and read about lectures or or something in that in that nature is that correct so yes and no so there's uh, there's a few term terminologies being turned around turn around right but flip learning or hybrid learning education is when you distill um responsibility from the teacher to the student right so less authoritarian like do this learn this that and more inspiring trying to figure out get you to do what you're interested in and yeah. then the teacher's job is to push them in different directions based off if they're lagging behind or to push or, or to give inspire you know what i mean so so like an example of that have you ever been to camp like summer camp that's the no that's the hardest thing about everything in regards to sv i've never done summer camp i've never done any after school programs so even like when we were like developing the business we honestly didn't know what to do <laughs> like or i did at least it wasn't something i experienced but uh no you're saying like yeah what about summer camp yeah so i mean just to, just to touch on that I was, I was a horrible kid as well right <laughs> my, my, i got know my parents saw me get into a fight and sent me off to summer camp one year yeah and it was the best <laughs> best freaking thing ever because uh those kind of experiences what it what it does is that like camps have this weird thing what they do is they give you a lot of freedom they you know like they give you structure they say this is happened within this they give you a structure yeah. but you're also free like no one's like telling you what to do it's more like the teachers are there to guide you right and you mess up you're like they they help you aboard <laughs> the, the tone is completely different yeah right and um <laughs> and like and like and it's naturally competitive right like naturally like it rather than being like being like if you don't do this you're bad like you know a lot of like top down like school other authoritarian regimes in camp it's more like you're done good so you get re rewards and like there's different ways to get rewards so a lot of camp systems right um i i did like two camp uh, two two times i went to like um camp as part of the school activities and i went on a summer camp because like i did i was a bit, i was a lady <laughs> but, but like each of these one of these things like each one of these transformed me because it took me out of like such a like a controlled environment to one where it's open so you can have different different activities you have the choice to free, to figure out what activities you want to do but then as you do those activities the better you do right you're also assigned to a group and you get points right so you'll have so if you're at like a, at a sleepaway camp it's like there's you're assigned to a cabin under that cabin there's a, there are rooms each room has three to four people usually four people right two bunk beds each yeah right each room has a number and then suddenly they'll have a nickname for that room and then within that cabin then that cabin is within a larger uh, larger community like multiple cabins and there'll be three or four of those communities and the whole camp structure is situated is figured out uh, like you know so the rooms are trying to be the top room in the cabin right by being like getting numbers assigned or doing competitions and stuff like that the cabins are all uh competing to be the best cabin in that within that within that group that community mm -hmm. and then the, each community is trying to be compete to become the best community of all of them right <laughs> so there's 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 so many intersections to be the best right and there's multiple things that each person can do you can do like creative activities like arts and crafts you can do physical activities like you know like like uh, uh like you know like obstacle courses you know win win the win races stuff like that right. there's mental challenges like uh, you know like uh, reading and and like uh, and like speeches and stuff like that right there's different categories of different things you choose like you know you naturally can drift between them and pick and choose what you want or you already know what you want do that you know someone who's really good at dance will like go down in that path hyper down 
But like whatever you do feeds back on a multi-benchmark multi system, right? So yeah. your room gets rewarded for you doing good. Your cabin gets rewarded for you doing good. And you have multiple bragging rights. And yeah. it's micro competitions within all these environments, right? You get the, the best room of the ca each each cabin gets like a, an award. The best cabin of the entire cabin gets an award in front of everybody, right? Yeah. And then the best uh, community on all of them gets like all the praise, right? Gets all the gets all the pride. <laughs> and then the person who committed the most at any particular activity gets their own individual prizes. Then yeah. there's a whole MVP person, the person in the camp who get the, got the most and what are you know in total. So there's all these different infractions, different level of prize and all that. It's all gamified. Yeah. Right. And it's flipped because the motivation is on the person. It's up to you to figure out where you fit within this larger community landscape. Everyone's competing. Yeah. Right. Where do you fit in that competitive landscape? What is your niche? Right. What is your value? And what is the what is the award you can get? Right. Mm -hmm. And the 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 job for all the counselors and uh, all the authoritarians is to make sure everyone's safe, playing fair. And like supportive if they're if they're if they're lagging behind and just to push them, yeah, right. And I've like the, those each of those times I went through like I had like, this creative burst of like you know of getting out of that uh, the normal school bubble because I hate school. You're yeah. a C student, student. I was a D student, right? <laughs> solid, solid, right? Uh, and uh, and like those those kind of things always stuck with me. Gotcha, man. I I I'm like. Even just reminiscing, I'm like, I'm missing like a significant part of my childhood, I bet. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Like while you're saying that, like, I, I guess when I, it like brings me back to like high school or like university, like it's very, like the comparisons of people are based on marks and that's it. Like yeah. you have no other choice to show, to show out. Um, and I can actually see why, like, it's just, it's a, it's not motivating. Yeah. And I can't even imagine how it would be motivating to like kids now, especially more than ever, like with everything being virtual, it's crazy. Well, the good, good thing about that is uh, Mark's, especially GPA is like a degraded platform, um, uh, degraded uh, metric, right? So everything from the big, uh, you know, the big five uh, accounting firms, KPMG, KY, uh, EY, Deloitte to the big five uh, technology firms, Google, Apple, uh, Amazon, all of them have disregarded degrees as a requirement to getting hired. So they no longer look at your degree or if you have a degree or even your, if you have a degree or your GPA for you to get a, get, get a, um, uh, get a job there. And that's what has become is like a signaling to the entire industry saying like, yo, we don't care about your mark anymore. Because yeah. what marks do is it's a measure of compliance that you can sit there, memorize what's given to you and regurgitate. And for an industrialized society, that was great because A students were like great managers, B students were great mid-managers, C students and D students did the work, <laughs> yeah. and people who failed school ended up in prison. Yeah, <laughs> it was just the fact of what it was. Yeah, it was, it was all, the school was devised, like literally it was uh, devised by Carnegie Mellon and uh, the, uh, the Rockefeller Institute. Uh, you know, back uh, back in the 18th century, uh, 19th century, in, 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 order, in order to get the population ready for industrialized society, industrialized work, right? Mm -hmm. Take them out of the, the farms and fields and factories and put them into office jobs, right? Yeah. How do you figure that out? So now again, we're seeing a revolution in education because now we need, need a cold new kind of set of, um, of metrics to advise people by, to filter people yeah. by, right? In an age where, you know, you can take a picture of, uh, an, of like, uh, of calculus and, the, and, and an app will like do, the, do, the, do it for you, right? Like, a, like, you know, with artificial intelligence and machines paired with people, you no longer can compete on, on IQ alone. Your ability mm -hmm. to memorize things and regurgitate 
is is completely out factored out factored by machines. Yeah. So now it's about creativity. All these things can happen and occur. How can you put them together in new and novel ways, right? Whether it be an app or a business or a process or a way of doing things, right? Like it's it's how can you create new things? So I think the entrepreneurship class. That's why we're now become part of the zeitgeist. We have now become like the counterculture, yeah. is because we're like we are like what like like high IQ people were back in the day. We're the ones who can see gaps, strategic gaps out there, who can see, uh, who can compile the different things together and create novel things. And that's what the market is looking for. So I think the future is more entrepreneurial and less marks orientated, more about what you can create. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Wow. I, I, I think that like that goes into, like I'm trying to figure, uh, there's like a change, like ever since COVID happened and there was a change in like, in like schooling, um, like parents are obviously fed up. Like mm. that was like a clear thing. Um, and then there's a rise of micro schools. Mm. So um, you see it in the US more often than I guess Tor- like in Toronto, but um, schools of like in, in many communities of like four to five students per class and like one, one instructor. Um, Call them uh, learning pods. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I'm trying to figure like how, when is like the right time to, 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 I guess like, what is like the right thing to teach? Cause like right now, when I, when I see these learning pods or I'm, I'm instantly assuming that it's like the same curriculum. Right. Um, and it's, it's different because they have the, there's a, like a more, I guess like personalized way to, to teach these individuals, like how to actually get them to, 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 to learn math in a different way, like according to how they actually want to learn. But I'm, I guess I'm curious to like, how, how would you envision like bringing in projects? Like, how would you get, how would you motivate a kid to build a project? Cause in our, like, we have like our own system of like how we can get a kid to, from like just knowing something to actually building. Um, but on a, on a larger scale of having kids that are, that might not just be interested in math. Like what, what is a way to actually get them interested? Like, how would you inspire someone that's not in particularly, doesn't particularly like something to get them to do something? Like, how do you do that? Um, yeah, because I, 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 even like when you, when you, when you, when you talk about startups or to bring it back to startups, you'll see like a lot of like the YC or sorry, the Y Combinator, uh, like mantras is like, do something that you actually like and you'll find mm-hmm. a startup within it, right? Yeah. Um, are we expecting like these projects just to help teach or like what do you what do you hope to see like change in in terms of like curriculum or learning because like the learning styles are going to change but what do you actually want to see as an output do you want to see younger kids building projects and building like companies is it when is it too early like i'm i'm curious what do you think about that no i think it's going to happen i think there's going to be a 12 year old billionaire (laughs) and it's going to happen because the amount of information out there, like look at, if you look at TikTok, right? If you have a phone and you're in middle school and you're surrounded by people that you have no interest in, like you have no interest in because they're interested in things that you're not interested in, right? They don't, they don't like coding or they don't like, uh, you know, like, you know, a certain thing. Yeah. You can find your niche very quickly on like TikTok, um, especially TikTok because yeah. the algorithm it's is dangerous. so good. It's Super dangerous, dangerous right? <laughs> but like, it's also a lot of education in there. A lot of ways, a lot of hooks there that can take you down a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. right? So, like, uh, you know, I've, I, I think you hit a right point there. How do you, can you get someone who doesn't want to do this to do something, right? I don't think you can. I don't think you should. 
Uh, I mean, I think uh, a lot of history is like, oh, this is better. This is good for you. So we're going to make you do it because down the road you'll thank us. Yeah. And yeah, to a, to a point it is. But like, I don't think people are meant for that. So in sales culture, we talk about this, right? Novice sales people try to sell everybody on, on their product, right? Yeah. Whereas the experts, they have filtering mechanisms to find people who are experiencing a problem for what they're selling. So they ask, they spend 90% of the time asking questions, trying to figure out, uh, you know, trying to scope the client out, trying to find the find out find out what their pain points are, and then tailor the solution to that. And I think the same thing needs to happen to learning, right? Where 90% has to be listening to the person and seeing out what their interests can lie or should lie in, right? And guide them towards that, guide them towards that, so they pick it up on them all. So right? that per, that presents an interesting problem, right? Like now, like uh, like a school in Toronto average like class size around 26 to 30 how how do you how would you scale it out on like such a large how would you scale it out on a large system enough to to really change like there's it's either we change how it can be implemented or it's like a monumental shift in how it's actually executed like the institutionalized version of it is changed and what do you think will happen first or what do you think i think it's it's it's, so it's already happening um so just to uh, to show show to that like um, we saw the learning the learning pods over the last summer, mm-hmm. and uh, I got a, I got a call from a, a friend of mine and uh, who has kids and he's really concerned about exactly this. How am I, how my kids gonna learn this at home? You know, they're yeah. six, they're eight years old. My co-founder the same problem. So we started brainstorming into this, right? Looking into this, yeah. and we started building out like a few apps here and there, trying to figure out you know how can we solve this kind of issue. And we ended up pair, uh, partnering together with like uh, an Italian firm uh, that just raised ten billion dollars. Over the over um, because of, because of the pandemic, like their usage spiked to a million users in Europe, and they were look and they were like got all this money. Yeah. We reached out to them like, hey, can we work on this to bring your solution to North America? And together we started brainstorming this, you know, this this this, this firm. And what we realized is that the infrastructure is already there. Right? The, what the schools and governments provide is infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at how a um, how a nuclear power plant is run. Right, nuclear power plants are run in partnerships. Right, the government partners with private, uh, the private utility. So yeah. the government handles the most risky and the most expensive part of things, which is the infrastructure, the actual physical plant. But then it hires out the operation of it to uh, the wetware to uh, to, a, uh, to a private firm that is privately incentivized for capital as nimble uh, to figure out how to best run and operate it. Mm-hmm. Right, and together they kind of do this together. Right, and. What I think the same thing can happen with education, where, you, where the public infrastructure provides infrastructure, and there is a like a data like system, like a technology system underlying on top of it, and it's already happening. So Knowledge Hook, Travis Ratner came on. I was on just about to say, them, yeah, right? He's doing that with math, right? Prodigy just raised his biggest B round and a biggest big B round, 157 million dollar Series B round largest B round in ed tech history, right? Wow. Um, that just happened this week. And you're seeing is like different, the different scopes of, of teaching being taken up by a, uh, by a uh, technology firm, right? Mm-hmm. Technology is doing what it does really well, right? Like SaaS businesses, they slice away a process that's normally like very horizontal, take a slice of it and make do it really well across a wide spectrum. Yeah. So we've seen the verticalization of, of te- education and technology coming into play, right? So these different technology pieces are coming in and fulfilling the actual learning part. So look at look what Knowledge Hook does, right? The math stuff, the kid inter- interfaces with the te- technology, the iPad, which then teaches, which then is learning what is good and bad at, 
which then prompts the teacher, hey, teach him this or teach him this methodology based exactly. off of the inputs, right? Yeah. So I, I think we're, we're already in that path. COVID accelerated the path curve here. But the main thing is like, have you have you ever watched uh, Star Trek? Like the movies? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. That's like a generation. I, I, I haven't even No, the new movie, the new one. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So there's I, a scene um, where, like, uh, I, I, I'm talking about this because I actually referenced it part of our research, right? Like into edtech. There's a scene where, um, like, uh, they're on the that planet Vulcan where like this guy Spock is from, right? And they're talking. It's showing how they teach kids. So each kid is has his own school desk with like massive screens next to them, <laughs> and they're and they're, and they're, they're interfacing with the technology piece that's constantly challenging them, yeah. right? It's giving them test quizzes. It's giving them information. They're watching videos. They have the freedom to explore and learn, right? And then they're tested on it, right? And then they get marks based. They get like they get like completion awards and all this stuff based off these micro things tasks they do. But then you know there's like there'll be like a group of eight or nine, and a teacher will walk around, not to teach, but to be like the human component to it. When yeah. they're, if they're not doing well, or if they're slowed down, talk to them and give them more emotional support and guidance. You know, the human does what they're good at, the human, the human element to it. And yeah. the machine does what it's good at, figuring you out better than you know yourself. You, you yeah. know, trying to constantly learn from you, <laughs> task you, test you, get you better, right? And like, I think that like we're, we're talking about what does an ideal situation look like for EdTech, mm -hmm. right? I think it's that. Machines doing what's good at learning from you and, and tasking you better and better and having a more long-form look at you, right? And and if people who are skeptical about this, like there was a project recently that was launched, right? Um, um, uh, I think it's a human, I forgot, I forgot the, the, the source of it, but basically there was a study done. There was an AI pattern that's been built, that's been yeah. built and running that can watch, analyze a video, this 30 second video of a couple that's talking on mute, no sound, just watching body language, and it can predict with a 70% degree of accuracy how long that couple will last in a relationship. That would be devastating. It's already here. It's already here. Right? And we have this kind of kind of mentality in our in our in our in our in our collective intelligence that that human that humans are good at being human and machines are good at being machines. And as long as humans are good at being human, like we can't, you know, we we at least have that in front of them, right? Machines can't replace humans at least for a while. But it's already happening. Machines are becoming better at humans than it is because, like I said before, like you know, 90% of uh, communication is body language, and humans yeah. are intuitively uh, intuitively know about that. But yeah. this machine can figure out patterns by watching, yeah. you know, uh, analyzing that. So these machines can be used to understand us better than we know ourselves. Now the issue is right now all those machines are fed by the private system, right? So. The top 750,000 minds in, 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 our, in our society, right? Top engineers, top researchers, uh, top thinkers, they're all employed by the top five, uh, uh, top five technology firms, Google, yeah. Apple, Amazon, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, and Microsoft, right? Bang, yeah. Right? And yeah. they're all geared towards how to sell you things, you know? T learn more about you so we can sell you a better Nissan, right? Yeah. Uh, as Scott Galloway puts it. So. <laughs> So uh, to put that in comparison, the top mines of the in World War II, 350,000 of the top mines of North America was situated in Los Alamos trying to figure out the nuclear uh, nuclear bomb. Yeah. 350,000 were talking about were working on that project. Now 750,000 of our top mines are working on how to consumerize us better, right? Yeah. Using technology. So the issue is the knowledge set is is fed 
in that private ecosystem? How can we create an ecosystem to push that knowledge set towards, you know, where creating tools that are bettering us? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think like with COVID, it put a spotlight on that in terms of like things aren't working or things don't work. Um, but it, it's hard to say because like it it would, it would generally the reason why the, the the top five or Fang in general the reason why they're in that space is because they're making money and it's like what everything's like based off of right. Um, but in the perspective of of <laughs> like how would you how would you I guess it become a question of how would you make education or the education space. Uh, like ha net a return how would you how would it make money and there's like there's sure like you can pay for services but like it would the the investment of of everyone focusing into something like that would be purely off of like people's passions like you'd actually have to really care about changing education because otherwise like it it doesn't seem as 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 fruitful of a of a of an industry right or a vertical yeah. to create um yeah. So uh, I think sad enough, like the, the Chinese model is one of the best there is right now, uh, because what they're doing is they pr put ownership into education because they have such a lot because, you know, the CCP is everywhere. So <laughs> and like technology integrated everything uh, with their new social credit score and those kind of systems. There is onus in the public system because there's a more a long term view. There's no longer like our system right now is like, okay, how well did this grade do at this school and across this uh, this this school board? And you're looking at the, the the year basis on a year by year basis, right? This cohort did this well, and this year we did this, and this year we did that. We don't take a long term study at long term effects of things, right? Yeah. We're not tracking a student over a multi year purpose and saying like, how is this? How is their particular upbringing going out? And I think that's what um, that's what these technology systems can allow us to do. Allows us to have a more personalized approach and seeing what are the what are the individual needs of different students, right? Before yeah. it was standardized, so it's like you either fit into this into this into this block, or if you don't, <laughs> too bad, you know, you're yeah. self And now we can actually personalize things better. So I think that the the mechanisms are already there. The technology is coming there. I think there's yeah. a lot of interest in people who want to build these things out. The the market is responding by you know rewarding people like Prodigy and 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 giving venture capital out there into it. Yeah. But I think how do we stitch together? And I think the I think even the the the, the public system now is respect uh, responsive. Like you can cold call and cold email the 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 the, 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 the school boards, and someone will reply because they're yeah. looking for answers. They're looking for people to think about this and and give them information. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, like. It, it has, yeah, like you're right, like just looking at, it, it is very easy to like even just speak to a principal and, and, and figure out what's going on or what's wrong. I think I'm just having like a hard time wrapping wrapping my head around like, like in, in, in North America, education is viewed so differently than to the East. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like, I don't know if you've been to like, uh, I'm assuming you're like Tamar Sri Lankan. Um, but when you, if you've been back home, like the way that like kids are lining up for tutoring class and like, it's purely focused on like everything. There's such a huge industry in, in, in education, even like, even in China, like it's one of their biggest markets is education. But if you look back over here into, into, into Toronto or into just North America in general, education is not really focused on till probably university. And even if, if even that, then it's, it's more so about like, 
you get your marks, you get into a good university and you, and you, and you move on and you have something under your belt as like a big degree and hopefully yeah. some connections. Right. Yeah. Um, but in, 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 in East Asia, like they have a whole, like a, like a, uh, I guess a cultural appreciation for education into their system. Uh, how would you like bringing that into North America? I think would, do you think that would be, that would assist in connecting? So do you know happen? why that, do you know why that culture exists? Do you know the history of that? No. I so, no so it has to do uh, with colonial powers, right? So when colonial powers moved into Asia, right, the the places in Asia that are really good at education, Hong Kong, uh, and uh, you know parts of India, like you know the the, the IITs and uh, the legacy of the IITs, yeah. and even the Jaffna Peninsula, right? Like one of the main reasons why these, like, you know, you're from Sri Lanka, you're the Tamil, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm me too. We're from Jaffna. So I, I looked into this, right? So. During the British rule of, of Sri Lanka, right? Um, first of all, they killed off the rulers, right? Then uh, they turned the aristocracy towards them by marrying within them and, and, and like and like and like having more long-term relationships there. But the the wheel they they, they called um, the Jaffna people that um, they were the scholars that ran the wheels, the cogs of the British Empire. So uh, per capita. Jaffna produced more accountants, lawyers, and bureaucrats that went out and ran the British Empire all across. They provided the mental f- force, right? So nowadays we have computers, right? Yeah. Back then, like you need number crunchers on the ground yeah. and stuff. So, like you know, the per capita, um, like you know, the Jaffna Peninsula people, right, from Jaffna University and all that kind of stuff, right? They they outperformed uh, completely on all the education boards, even with a lack of access as, as education as the education. Yeah. Why? Because it's a way out. Like that area traditionally was already well read, right? The Jaffna Public Library, literacy was very high levels. But what happened was when British colonial powers came in, people have, have a misunderstanding that the colonial um, colonial occupations educated the people of the East, right? There was a collective review. Have you heard of um, Satish, uh, Satoshi Tapor? Uh, he's an MP of Kerala. Okay. He did a really good speech at um, the uh, the University of England right um i think university of england yeah no at the, at the british parliament he was asked to talk he, his topic was how did british how did the Brit, british uh, um help india improve <laughs> india right and he came there and he he brought up the facts and he brought up the facts that saying like based off of economic reviews right the entire state of india during british rule right yeah that per year um got the equivalent uh, educationary budget of the state of Wisconsin that did. So the entire state of Wisconsin was probably a hundredth of the population, yeah. right, of India. And uh, there's an English teacher with a time when I did a review, right? Sorry, from America, from Wisconsin. And so like the entire budget the British Empire set for India to be educated yeah. is less than the high school budget, just the high school budget of Wisconsin. Yeah. Right, which is even now underpopulated. Yeah. Right. So there was no communal effort from the colonial powers to educate the people there. But what it did was created a a, a um, unilateral effect. Right. If you were to get high grades, the top of the top, you had an out, which you was you could go into law school, you can get into these high level positions. Yeah. Right. Comparatively to them, and you you can get out. You can get out of, of poverty. You can get out. Uh, you can improve your family standing. Mm-hmm. So. It was just like you know, if you if you're at the gold mine and you can go out and pick gold every day and eventually pull out gold, 
Yes. You can sit there and study every day and like drill yourself. And if you could get those grades as an out. Yeah. Right. So what it, what it did was it wasn't education provided. It was a unilateral effect because there was no other way to get out. This yeah. was the mechanism to get out that created a studious kind of atmosphere. So in Jaffna, like, you know, I, I think your parents would have talked about it. My parents did too. Back in the day, like, you know, people did full hours of school and afterwards go to tuition, multiple, multiple tutors, and they're studying all the time. Yeah. And it's, and one of the things that happened during the, the, um, the Sri Lankan civil war was um, the schools were bombed and destroyed because the people of the South did not like the fact that the North was out competing them in, in academics. And there was like an undue, uh, undue um, leverage in um, marks, right? You need to get a higher percentage of marks uh, in the North than the South. You know, if yeah. you're supposed to get a 97% to get a university if you're from the North, but you can get in with a 70% if you're from the South. You know, yeah. that level of uh, disparity was put into place. Um, just to, because there's too many people coming out of there, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was this undue leverage that was put on the people that forced them to, to, to instill that kind of culture within themselves. Mm -hmm. Now here, we don't have that because, you know, we have a capitalist system. You know, you can exit the system, become a tattoo artist, and make <laughs> yeah. a killing. You yeah. know what I mean? You have that kind of freedom there. So I don't think it's about, hey, how can we instill that, that um, you know, that educational element of like wanting to learn, wanting, you know, wanting to uh, learn what's been taught. Yeah. But how do we get an inspirational element of wanting people to inspire them to go out and teach, uh, go out and learn for themselves so they can do something? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I like it's, uh, if, if the problem, okay, so like that, it comes into that whole debate, like if you want to do something yourself, or like you want to learn something new, so take tattoo artists, for example, like it needs to be able to provide a living for you. And that's the only way that you can actually sustain what you want to do. Um, and, and I guess right now, like with, with a lot of, a lot of people, especially my age, like we don't really know what we want to do. Mm. Like there's that element of it too, where we, it's not even that we're, that we're educated or not. It's just, we have no idea of like what actually excites us or gets us going or like like get you that that very natural energy you get when like something is like you genuinely enjoy and like you just get giddy like that's a hard thing to find and I don't know if you can find that as like as quickly as you can in like your first like in the early 20s mm -hmm. um and I think that has a big role to play especially in doing what you want to do because that's that's your sign that's like that 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 flag like hey you found something that you actually want to to be a part of um I guess, like, how would you, uh, is there a way, do you think, to, to build or support, like, I guess, from, like, early teens to all the way to being, like, an adult or, like, 24 or 25? Like, how, the, right now, the system is, like, you go through high school, you get into university, and you go find a job. And then you might like that job or hate that job. It's, like, it's a gamble, right? So I do think, you think there's a change that needs to happen there as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think kids are naturally curious. We are the ones that cut them off from it. Yeah. Right? By by putting limitations on what to be curious about, right? Like we tell them this is what you should we wanted to know and this is what you should know. And a very narrow people people fit into that. And everyone else would look like what like what are you dumb? Like why aren't you learning yeah. this? Why aren't you? Yeah. This? <laughs> I think people are really interested in things, right? So imagine a situation where like have you ever looked at the, this wheel of intelligences? We have IQ, which we all know, the EQ, emotional intelligence. There's uh, like you know there's eight different intelligences, right? There's like um, there's something called um, 
linguistical uh, intelligence for like you know who people can talk really well yeah. there's like um athletic intelligence where people can connect kinetic intelligence where people can have body body movements you know yeah can, people can like break down catch a ball you know catch a ball <laughs> like really quick yeah they're very in tune with their body right yeah. so what we're realizing is that people are wired differently and being able to control your body like that that is an intelligence but we haven't put we have taken an undue leverage out of that right unless you're the top of the top and you become like you know a baller like you yeah. know <laughs> taking it from it it's that risky right but think about how to provide a feedback mechanism if if a kid's really into you know like body control and like you know into into sports well okay why don't you go out and play sports but hey by the way for you to be a pro athlete you know really good at this um, you need to know how your body works Right? Why don't you learn, come learn how your body works so you can train yourself better? By yeah. the way, here's some kids who are really who are not bad, not good at sports, but are really good at science and understanding biology. Right? Yeah. Why don't we pair you together with them? They'll help analyze you. You give the data, right? And then yeah. together you kind of solve this problem of how to better the human body. Yeah. Right? And then boom, you suddenly have a project. There, right? Yeah. And then you know what I mean? So you bring people who have like the niche kind of uh, activity that they can do. Right, they're interested, in, and we pair them with other people that's uh, that's complementary, and you put them together in a project. And I think that kind of thinking is is more required, right? Yeah. How do we take what you are naturally inclined to do, like what you're really interested in, and pair that, you know, with somebody else who can fill in fill in a different category, and together you do something. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's like that's the next big the next big thing, like trying to that that identifier as hard as it is though, like that's uh, that's a very personal thing. You have to get into like really everything. Uh, get but, uh, feedback from every single piece of what you do or what you like or enjoy or maybe hate. Um, but it can create like a really, man, if, if, you, if you could predict from like 12 years old what you'll like as fields and you get you like you pick or choose and like everything you do from that point on, you enjoy every day. Like there'll be so many, like so many more happy kids. Like yeah. everyone would be doing what they want to be doing. Everyone would be doing what they like, what they like. And our excuse right now is like, oh, you got to go through all this. It's, it's life. It's hard. Um, but creating like a, like a, I guess a catered experience through technology, that would be insane. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think it really about the, uh, the access to technology, right? Like Facebook already has this. Like one of their main reasons, um, like Facebook, like there was a huge uh, incident they had where they ran a research inside Facebook, right? So this is back in the day, you probably heard of this. They ran a research, it's like, can we at Facebook proactively control how people feel, right? Yeah. And they're like, by, you know, this is a test they did live with real people, with <laughs> millions of people, right? Yeah. A research team took control and said, instead of the algorithm feeding this, can we now project certain, certain things, certain content to people and get a reflect of the moods and how will the their moods uh, Im impact their use use case? And they are able to able to systematically uh, very accurately manipulate people's moods into happy, sad, angry, resentful, guilty, envious. They are really able to get that done, mm -hmm. right? By showing them content, right? By showing them content that elicited a certain kind of emotions. And yeah. by, by continuously giving that kind of feed over hours of, the, of them consuming that content, they're able to train them and they were able to modify them. And they, what they, what the research gained, they published this, yeah. right? Is that the research said is like people who are more sadder are more likely to stay on the platform, but people yeah. who are more angry are more likely to, uh, to interact on the platform, to engage with the platform. Yeah. Right. 
And the research came out saying that, you know, if they were like, you know, if people are sad or angry, like they're naturally stick with our platform and people lost their shit, right? Yeah. People quit Facebook, the whole blast <laughs> out of it, right? And that's when Facebook first landed the spotlight. It's like early in the days, like 2013, 2014, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and, and, and that showed the power of, of technology, right? Being yeah. able to influence us from a unilateral point of view, right? So yeah. the ability exists. Yeah. How do we get it into a positive environment? Yeah. I, and I think also there's another factor that I think we like kind of glazed over, but grit, that's such a, like a key thing in life, right? What do we take, a, like, how, how would we instill that? Like, that's something that people feel like as like that learning, learning how to eat shit will teach you how, like how to like get through anything in life. Right. And that's a, naturally a good skill, right. Having a, some sort of grit. Um, but having like a catered experience of like going through it without that's like the perfect experience. So do you think it, do you think grit will be necessary if everything is perfect? Like if you know, you're going to get your dream job or your dream, like thing that you want to do, whether you want to be a zookeeper, a veterinarian, uh, a soccer player or whatever, right. Mm. Do you think so, grit, you need a sense of grit. How would you instill that grit? I mean, I think that's, uh, that's everything there. It's like, I don't think it's grit, but more about exploratory, uh, the ability to explore, right. Ability shift. So I think about it's nimbleness, right. So like, look at your past history, right. Look, look at the past five years, how much change you've gone through, not just physically, yeah. but mentally, what your wants and needs have changed, how your thinking patterns have changed. We change. And like we look past our last five years and we see how much we've grown, how, how different we are in our wants and needs, how much, how different we think. But we cannot imagine that the next five years will be a different person. Yeah. And we know we'll be older. We'll know we'll be physically different, but we can't imagine ourselves be so different in our thinking that we'll be alien to ourselves, right? So we don't know where we'll, our, our changes of wants will go. But even if a machine can predict that, I think the real comes, it comes down to how nimble can you become, right? Like if you go on to be a zookeeper, can you join an apprenticeship and work at a zoo, you know, for a summer? Can you intern there and figure out really quickly, oh shit, I want to do this for the rest of my life or like, this is fucking horrible. Yeah. This, is... <laughs> this place stinks. I don't want to be here. Right. Yeah. And then boom, you're, you, you go on to a different path. Right. How, I think it's more about how fluid can you be? How quickly can you validate your thinking? Right. Yeah. And how, how can we open up our systems? That's why, that's why I think that's, that's a comeback for more internships and more apprenticeships. Right, the apprenticeships apparently, especially because people have learned that, yeah, just because you go through school doesn't mean you can actually do things. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more uh, facility uh, opening up, saying that, hey, come and like do this for us, and in that, in the meantime, learn what we do, and yeah. figure out if you want to do this. Right. It's like a back and forth. So I, I think it's it's about changing that model of getting people out of the classroom. I don't think it's a classroom environment anymore. Mm-hmm. People can find knowledge pretty easily if they want to. If they yeah. really want to, it's about how do we empower them to, how do we, how do you inspire them to, right? And I think that's a difficult question to answer. Yeah, I think especially because school makes it easy to learn, and then learning by yourself. But I yeah. mean, like in the sense of like it's kind of spoon fed. Like I, I remember in like 2017, uh, I took a, I think two courses in, like at uni. Man, I knew when my assignments were. This is like while the midst of SV was growing. I knew when my assignments were, I knew when my tests were, I knew when I had to study. Everything was so nicely laid out. I didn't have to, I didn't have to think twice. I just had to have it on a calendar and I'm good. And that made it very comfortable for me to learn through that through that medium of like, okay, going to class, just just absorbing that and then puking it out on a test after. Um, 
but then like when I when I go to learn stuff online by myself, like there has to be you can't just like for example, learning to code, it's very difficult mm-hmm. or you have to have extreme discipline just to just to do it. Like it, it, if you need to, you ask generally need a problem to solve that will inspire you to learn like, okay, like I really want to like build this app. I need to learn how to code to do it. That will give you the, like the proper motivation, but the, the, that, that, that instinct of actually learning by yourself, like, I don't know if it's something everyone has, they like don't. whether, yeah, whether it be discipline or such, right? Like, I don't, and I don't know, can you teach that? Well, that's what I mean. Like, if one kid wants to uh, get obsessed with the video camera and wants to fucking play with the video camera and like, like, is like trying to learn like angles and stuff like that, and you're saying like, idiot, why aren't you learning math? <laughs> Who's not wrong there? Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. that's the issue. It's like, it's like, it's not about. I think everyone wants to learn, but what are the metrics? What is learning? Right? I yeah. think it's different for everybody and the quality of it. Right? If you want to spend your teens playing sports, but then suddenly in, in you become a computer engineer in your 20s because that's what you're interested in. Is anyone in the wrong there, right? Yeah. Except the person who's like, you know, trying to instill them, right? So isn't it really about freedom of choice and, and ability? Shouldn't society be able to promote, like, you know, like sustain a level of people and allow them to fluctuate within the market space? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't it freedom end of the day, the best thing? <laughs> That's hard, man. Holy, I didn't think about it like freedom. Um, the freedom of choice. Okay, so... Uh, so maybe that's where technology has like a significant influence where it's kind of something that that isn't biased i think that's a big part of it too right like a lot of our mentors or a lot of experience when people share experiences or share advice it's based off of their experience like it's what happened to them or what they observed or seen right and that might not necessarily be true to like if I, if I, if this was five years ago or six years ago and a kid told me like I'm gonna start a YouTube channel, it's gonna be about gaming and I'm gonna be like, you know, like you'll go back to school or do something, right? Like focus, right? Um, but like you see you see now it's 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 taking off. Like I'm I'm catching myself watching videos of people playing games at this yeah. point on Twitch or whatever. And so I think that that it's hard, it, it needs to be something super objective. Something that can under like take the each individual case as it is. Like if there was this one software that we've just been talking about, I mean to summate everything really that we've been getting through, is is this one piece of software that's personalized to every person that mm-hmm. identifies what they can do, what they want to do, what they like. And that being standalone, then that thing will follow you forever. So I don't think it's gonna be one system. Like I don't think we're gonna move we're gonna move into like the, the China model here. <laughs> Yeah. Right, where it's one system and everything's watching you. I think it's going to be a variety of systems. And I think you got nailed before, these micro schools, yeah. right? These specialized schools. I, like, you know, there's going to be, um, you know, this mainline thing that teaches you a very a very baseline activity for you to understand a little bit of everything. But then you naturally diversify. I mean, our school boards right now are like this, right? Look at Toronto's yeah. school board, look at Marcos' school board, right? There are main private schools, sorry, public schools that are, standardized and run by standard. Then there are technical institutes meant for teaching people who are trades, AKA the people who can't study well, right? Yeah. Right, and they end up naturally there. Um, but then there are also like specialized schools for sports, like, you know, Birchmount, Birchmount High, right? Yeah. They have a huge track field, huge sports program, all this kind of stuff, um, right? Uh, like, so people in middle school who are really good in sports are filtered and, and uh, have to apply. But if they get in, there's a school full of athletes. Right, yeah. that specialize on that. Then there's music schools, all for public, probably funded, but focused on certain things. The infrastructure is already there, 
But like now we have the ability to, to hyper-focus it and better with better data and better infrastructure, right? So yeah, I think it comes down to um, like tools like Knowledge Hook can better identify you over a longer term. Like, you know, they're going to know from grade two to grade four to grade eight to grade 10, how's your math skills? How have you been improving? And then using that data across a subset of millions and trying to identify, oh shit, this two-year-old is going to have this issues, uh, you know, later on, let's double down yeah. here, right? But don't you think it would be, yeah, don't you think it would be like a, um, if we were to like see like, I see like those verticals, uh, but I feel like there needs to be fabric in between that connects them because the data between each and if it can be if it can be specialized or catered to one individual based on those kind of trends like I see that as one system that's like very strong because I, I know that it'll, in the beginning it'll probably be have to comprise of these like vertical individual streams whether it be in English math um, and so forth but don't you think like to make the most ideal situation would be this one kind of like integrated everyone <laughs> granted everyone shares their data um kind of a kind of system where where it, it, it kind of covers all the bases I, 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 so yes yeah. and no i think you nailed it right there is the ver is the horizontal uh, horizontal um, connections of the vertical right from the personal level yeah. how do i have something as a machine, have something, a tool that accesses all my data from all the different sources, compiles it together, know me better than myself and help judge myself, right? So I think it comes from a compilance like, of two factors. One, data, right? My ability to access data. And two, my ability to have access to a tool that can access my data safely and give me access. So if, if look at the tools, all the tools we have, like just on our phone, you know, average person uses, uh, you know, at least six to 10 apps a day, right? Has about 20 to 30 apps installed on their phone. Uh, we have our computers, uh, all these browsers, right? Um, you know, we, you know, with all, all these different apps running. So we have yeah. all these tools collecting data on us, but they're all going to separate servers under uh, under each company's uh, license, and they're all taking internally to better into, uh, uh, deploy intelligence and learn from it, and yeah. to commercialize off of it, right? But what if we, before it even goes to that server, has a has a reservoir where the data is pooled in a reservoir from all the different sources. So each company only gets the piece that they're collecting, but yeah. we get the piece of, we get a, we get a copy of all of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that reservoir connects to a system, right? That can feed off that data that's collectively pulled from everywhere from all these different uh, functions, and now has a better understanding from a top level down of who we really are, and then yeah. long term can guide us, right? So, um, have you ever read uh, Ender's Game? Uh, when no, you're a kid? man. No, I haven't. Yo, I think you will definitely love this. Love this. So Ender's Game is um, it talks about children being the ultimate weapons of humanity. Okay. okay. So in in this reality, in this in this in this uh, in this story, um, aliens have come to Earth and tried to destroy the Earth, and miraculously, just by the right pilot being in the right place, was able to destroy the the fleet and save all of humanity. Right. Now, 60 years in the future. Humans know aliens are out there now. They just escaped extinction by an, by just by the right person being there, and they don't want to be ever stuck in that. So they have developed they develop all this technology, develop all these fleets and all that stuff, and they realized the main missing piece is not the technology, is not the not the tools, not the weapons, but a commander, the Napoleon, right, the 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 Lionheart, right, yeah. the the Genghis Khan who can like lead them, yeah. right. So from every single kid, like the earth is now unified into one, one super entity and every single child from the age of four onwards has an implant where, they're re where this implant is reading everything they're learning, everything they're doing, watching everything they're doing and learning everything about them, 
Yeah. And they're going through a selection process to find the toppest, smartest, most empathetic, and most well, like best, uh, uh, best tactical commander. Yeah. Right? Looking for that Napoleon, <laughs> right? And then of those, like a select kids, like 10 kids a year from the entire world are selected each year into a specialized program that puts them into this high intensity combat training to figure out if you're in the commander or not. And they do that year after year after year after year, all intensifying the learning about who this person is because the pros of that is you find this gem, this person who can take all these missing pieces yeah. and, and win this war. The con of that is that, you know, like you, all these kids' lives <laughs> are like, you know, taken into wars and, and combat ship, right? Yeah. But it talks about this, right? When there's a need arises, right? Like, the, like you know, understanding people and guiding them is there. But mm -hmm. one of the things I really like about this is like, it's a whole saga. Like this, Ender's Game is the first book. Ender's Saga is like a 16 book series, right? And one of them talks about like an AI that can live within the system that you can access through like an implant in your ear and would know everything about you, but you and the AI are tied together, right? So I don't know if you know about evolutionary biology uh, or uh, neurobiology, right? Evolutionary neurobiology, but we evolved uh, in like multiple subsets, right? We have the reptilian brain, which is uh, the brainstem and the surrounding nerves around it, which is all reflex, right? Uh, you know, eat, eat, sleep, sex, like, you know, all the reflexes, right? Yeah. The mammalian brain around it was developed afterwards that allow for more complex social relationships, you know, allowing for, you know, emotions. And it's very deep and primal built into us because it's millions of years old and allows for like communities to thrive and, and, and kinship and taking care of your young. Then the primate brain with the forebrain and like a cortex developed that allows for higher level thinking, you know, arm controls and throwing things and like uh, social behaviors, complex stuff. And then on top of that, just a millimeter thick that covers the entire brain, right? In all the crevices, a millimeter thick is a neocortex. Okay. And that's what gives humans our ability to think, our ability to have conscious control. And that, that a millimeter thick of this entire, uh, of the brain the size of two of your fists, right? Is what gives us the light, right? Our thinking ability and all that. So yeah. humans, we can't expand our brains anymore because if we do, we kill the mothers that come out because your, your head's too big. So we have hit a pivotal point where we, uh, our brains can't grow anymore. So that's why we have so many crevices in our brains compared to other species because the, the, the folds in our brains allows for like more, like, like more, uh, more uh, of the neocortex to be, uh, be there. If you actually flatten yeah. the, the neocortex, all the crevices, it's actually like pretty wide, wow. right? Uh, and that's what gives us the superpower. But even then with all those hacks, we are limited by how much we can grow. So the thinking is machines... And the way we interface machines is going to be a next evolution, right? It's yeah. going to be like a cyber, cyber, cyber cortex. Yeah. Right? So imagine a system, if you will, where you have your brain, this, this machine, these entities connecting data that then a machine layer is attached to, to and now you're coupled together, machine and human, yeah. AI, uh, artificial intelligence, and, and, and natural intelligence, mm -hmm. right? Uh, one giving the more primate emotional thinking and, and reason to live, why we live, like, you know, all the emotions for it and the artificial intelligence having the instability of connectivity of machines, right? Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great, uh, great pivotal so, moment in history. Yeah, kind of like a second brain. Wow. So, uh, so we, you said something interesting. It was like that pilot was at that right, that, that right time. And that was significant enough for everyone in the world to change. And granted, it's fiction, I'm assuming, yeah. unless, it, unless it happened. Uh, now, what would it take our society in like in, in, in our current 
what would be that pivotal moment? Because like, if our backs are pushed against the wall, and there were and there are aliens and and whatever. This is turning a little bit abstract, but like, will will education be the first thought? Because I would assume that it would be war or it would be like militarization, right? Um, what 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 do you think would need to happen in society? Like, there's if this if we have some sort of institution or some sort of uh, foundation that we build mm-hmm. upon, and at a certain point it's going to reach capacity. What is that triggering moment? What do you think will will topple everything and make people realize? Because like I think COVID like maybe had like a little earthquake and shook the shook the structure a little bit, but people are looking so forward back to return back to everything that's normal, right? Um, I think it's already happening. So. Uh, 2016, um, five million five million truck drivers were let go due to automation, and nobody noticed. And those five million uh, five million went on to vote for Donald Trump and swing the state of Wisconsin to a to a red state, and yeah. getting Donald Trump the the support he needed, right, to get an election. We know this now, yeah. right? We know when people are left behind, right, they they become extreme, right? And with the extreme envi- reaction we've seen from the public is the market reacting. Right, our our, uh, our 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 collective conscience reacting to this. Right, people are being left behind because not everyone can be, can reflect back and 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 mobily change. Yeah. So I think as society we have realized like, oh shit, we're a pivotal point. People are being left behind. We have to restructure ourselves. And COVID actually, I think it gives us a a, a great excuse. Right, things are shaken up, so it can be rebuilt. And mm-hmm. I think from from everyone I'm looking at, like you know, I think from school boards to governments to private institutions to large enterprises. Everyone is buying and making changes. Everyone's yeah. taking the opportunity to make that change, right? And um, and I don't think we're going to see it. Like you know, th- there's going to be a lost time, lost little generation where those kind of changes happen. Like there's a quote I really like from an economist. It's like if you want to see, if you want to see how you know, it's uh, the quote. Uh, there's two quotes now. Why, the quote is: History doesn't repeat itself. It uh, it uh, it um, it vibrates. Right. So. Yeah. So it, 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 sorry, history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes, mm-hmm. right? So there's patterns that come back in it. So if you want to know the state of history right now, look back, like the state of humanity right now, look back to how humans were 100 years ago, yeah. right? Because we follow these kind of curves and like in, in thinking and, and growth patterns, right? So 100 years ago, similar things happened. The Spanish flu hit, right? Like uh, the world went into a pandemic, Right, great changes are there. Industrialization is happening. Mass mass production is coming into. Factory jobs are disappearing because uh, things are becoming more efficient, and office mm-hmm. jobs came to be. That generation sucked. The Great Depression happened, <laughs> right? Right, like uh, there was the most most transient people uh, uh, that we have in modern times were created during then. But then yeah. that led to the 40s and 50s, right? Mm-hmm. The boom times where you know like the rise of the uh, the media empires and the rise of like these office buildings with shiny shiny offices with like nice suits and people wearing more suits than ever right like that the booms and bust cycles happen so that's yeah. where we are we're at, we're at a bust cycle where it's like shit time to time to react right yeah um you ever heard that term it's like great people create great times which create weak people which create weak times Oh cycle. my god! <laughs> I've never, but it's terrifying to hear. Like I, I think though, uh, I was reading like Mark Andreessen. He, uh, he released an article recently. And it was like this is the time to build. Like when everyone in the beginning, it's like last March. Every everyone got shook up. Like this is everyone's business has changed, or everyone, most people, businesses closed down. Like it was a fundamental shift in what how we operate, how we can operate, how we can mm-hmm. talk or interact. 
and it's the time to build. And I guess it like it brings me back to that. I guess what I'm thinking about is like in regards to to that shift or that earthquake or COVID being that earthquake, it maybe it's like it's just so close to like because it's that that kind of that low period and it's so close to us of like the change that is happening is just like in the early stages. But that 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 high that that will come later. It won't happen for like another 10 years and then that's when we're going to see the monumental shifts of like the education companies today being what it is like the tomorrow in 10 years right what it's going to be or how it's going to change things dramatically um yeah. man i yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't even wrap my head around something like that it's 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 weird it's it's more terrifying honestly now that you say it like this is a bus period uh <laughs> just because i'm like oh crap like holy shit this actually is but yeah, but uh, you also understand during the Great Depression, more millionaires were created in the Great Depression than all of American history. Really? Yeah. Right. So, vast majority of people sunk to the bottom. One, sorry, one third of people is what we hear about is one that lost a lot. One third of people experienced no real change. They had their houses, they were stable, they didn't have any growth, but they were good. Yeah. One third of people experienced significant growth. What we saw was like this triage of like you know this rap, this disparity in like in in in, in gains, right? Mm-hmm. People who didn't do well really dropped. People who did well really rose. Um, so during this time, yeah, there's gonna be people. A lot of people are gonna be left behind. It's gonna suck. But the people who are out there grinding with grit, who yeah. who wanna who make changes and can actually make it work in the market, they're gonna get some rewards and have the ability to write the you know the rhymes of the future. Yeah. So this is like the time to. Time to make change, right? Time to work, man. Yeah. Work. <laughs> That's yeah. So I, I think we hit our time. Uh, this yeah. has been great. My man, um, uh, thank you for the conversation. Like, uh, I usually don't jump in as much as this, but like, I've been, I've, I've been really enjoying the back and forth. Yeah, no, like, I mean, it's my first time. I've, I've never done something like this before. It's really cool. It's really interesting, man. You know a lot, like really like kudos to you for, for, for learning a lot. Uh, but it's all coming yeah. from a D student. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have something to tell our parents at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, no, thank you for for having me. And and seriously, yeah, the, this is this is pretty cool. It's really enlightening to to really think about the future for a bit, because uh, it's so easy to, especially like right now, to think about now and like how hard things are or how hard things might be. But um, it's good to know that it's good to know that we can we can still we can still build forward or Definitely. build up. Yeah, Definitely. Man. Build right. back. What is it? Build back better, right? Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah, man. All right, Mayu. Thank you for coming. Stick around for a few minutes to do a quick debrief. Uh, and everyone who stuck with us, thanks for the, thanks for tuning in.